today there's a bit of a what i call as a shakeout in the fintech marketplace and because of this uh, economic situation there has been a, a very strong challenge given to the growth of fintechs in general now as you can imagine from an investor standpoint uh, your cost of funding becomes increasingly uh, more and more expensive because of the interest rate increase and when that starts happening investors tend to become more cautious on where to put their money and welcome back to another episode of In Check with Fintech. This week we are joined by Anupam Majumdar, who is a principal with flagship advisory partners, a boutique consultancy and merger and acquisition advisory firm. Anupam is a senior payments advisor with 16 years of deep payments advisory experience across Europe and Asia. He has advised numerous PE firms, banks, PSPs, card schemes, fintech and investment firms on payments, M&A and growth strategy. Today's episode is the first half of a two-part podcast series with Anupam. Enjoy listening and stay tuned for the second part of the series is coming up next week. So without further ado, Anupam, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Rakir. Thanks for having me. Um, just for the listeners, so yeah, uh, Anupam, you're the partner, um, you're a principal, sorry, at the flagship uh, advisory partners. Um, I think we've known each other for a good few years now. For the listeners who, not, who do not know you, uh, which I can hardly imagine that there's many of them, but would you mind giving a short introduction uh, on yourself? Yeah, sure, Rakir. So my name is Anupam Majumdar, and I work as a principal for Flagship Advisory Partners. Flagship Advisory Partners is a boutique strategy consulting and M&A advisory firm uh, serving the fintech and payments marketplace. Um, it's a firm that I got established a couple of years back, and I am one of the early members to join the team in July of 2020. And so far, we have been had a great traction working in strategy consulting and M&A advisory for, for investor clients and also for classic PSPs uh, and fintechs. A little bit about myself. So overall, I have 16 years of work experience, out of which 12 years in the consulting industry. The most recent one was with Accenture Strategy, where I was leading the Dutch payment strategy practice. And uh, before that, I used to be uh, working for banks in corporate banking. So you have quite a lot of experience within the payments and fintech space especially from a consultancy point of view yeah i think for a lot, good seven years now right yeah it's been uh it's been a long time so 12 years in total in the consulting space uh you know being a quite active in the european and asian payments fintech and banking landscape um and a lot of things have been changing in this marketplace and that's why i like payments it's always a very exciting marketplace where things don't keep the cha- keep the same and it almost always changes every month, and that's why I get a lot of thrill serving this market. Yeah, no, there's definitely a lot of uh, stuff going on, and who to better discuss that with if, uh, than with you? Because I think, yeah, that's what we want to kind of touch touch on today, right? There's uh, quite some stuff going on. There has been over the last couple of years. There's been uh, Corona. We've uh, kind of coming out of, um, and um, but now there might be uh, some say the next kind of dip uh, financial markets, uh, financial dip coming through. Um, and it's curious to yeah, discuss with you a bit more about what the impact is on the on the fintech market. So yeah. let's maybe look at the fintech market today, right? What do you see happening when it comes specifically to investments and uh, M&A activity? Yeah, I think uh, maybe before we go there, I mean, it's, it's, it's actually a stark contrast to what we saw um, during the pandemic approximately 12 to 18 months back. 
So today, of course, there's a slowdown overall in fintech investments and m activity, but maybe it makes sense for me to give you an introductory introduction on what happened 12 to 18 months back. So 12 to 18 months back, of course, not to everyone's surprise, we had the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, because of the pandemic, there were national lockdowns, and when national lockdowns happened, all the physical channels, like in-store, for example, became inoperational. As a result, there was a huge acceleration towards digital services. So a lot of companies who had stores, they had to re-change or re-audient their business models to move online. And this led to a heavy boost in e-commerce sales. As a result of all these e-commerce sales, the fintechs that were provisioning e-commerce actually grew extremely well in the last 12 to 18 months. So companies like Molly, companies like Stripe, Andien, Checkout, you know, these companies were in the heart of offering PSP solutions to e-commerce merchants. And because of the strong push of consumer and merchant towards uh, demand towards e-commerce, what we basically saw is investors started pumping a lot of money into these fintechs. And this led to a massive overvaluation of fintech activity in this space. Um, there were a lot of IPOs. In fact, last year, there were a record number of IPOs and M&A transactions. I think if my mind serves me right, there were approximately 30 fintechs that got listed in the, UA, in the U.S. stock exchange in 2021. Now, contrast to that situation to what's happening today, um, today there's a bit of a what I call as a shakeout in the fintech marketplace. Um, so the current macronomic situation as of high inflation meet has been met with central banks raising their interest rates. And because of this uh, economic situation, there has been a, a very strong challenge given to the growth of fintechs in general. Now, as you can imagine from an investor standpoint, uh, your cost of funding becomes increasingly uh, more and more expensive because of the interest rate increase. And when that starts happening, investors tend to become more cautious on where to put their money. And if you look at the last uh, seven or eight months, um, the fintech stocks have actually been underperforming. So I think uh, if you look at the fintech portfolio, approximately 50% of the fintech stocks have actually dropped down more than 70% from wow. the last year's number. That, that's a huge number, right? So to give you a kind of a contrast, the NASDAQ composite has fallen by 29% in the same period. So because of this huge shakeout, what's happening in the public market, investors in the private markets are also a bit more skeptical now. So they are not, they, they are more cautious and they're they're using their judgment to figure out where to put their money best. Um, and therefore, what you also see as a consequence is a bit of a correction in the valuations of some of these fintechs. So the fintechs, which got overvalued 12 months back, are now getting a bit more corrected. And because of those corrections, we see a lot of private valuations getting wiped out. I think I read somewhere, probably it was Financial Times, that I think half a trillion dollars have been wiped out of fintech valuations this year. Now, that's wow. a massive number, right? Yeah. And if you think of IPOs, even companies like Stripe and others had plans for IPO even last year, Q4, beginning of this year. Now they have all potentially shifted those plans maybe sometime in the future. So there's a lot of economic uncertainty uh, of what's going to happen in the next six months. I think there are over, over arguments that we might even end up into a recessionary environment, which is not clear to us yet. But in general, because of that, m and activity has slowed down. FinTech funding has slowed down today. 
Um, but fintech and M&A activity has not stopped. What is actually a positive sign here is investors are also shifting away from investing in growth equity to now moving into more public companies, which are cheaper and taking them private. So that's actually a silver lining at the end of this storm. Let's double click a bit on that um, uh, kind of underperformance of the 50, what did you say? 50% of the fintech portfolio uh, underperformed by 70% or dropped by 70%, right? Where the average on the NASDAQ was, was 20%. 29, yeah. What's the reason for that? Is that because, uh, I mean, is it obvious to say that they didn't uh, reach the expectations that they set? Or uh, is it because uh, actually it turns out that their business models are maybe not so valuable or um, are not creating any profit at the moment? Or what's the reason for such a significant drop? Yeah, I think, you know, again, if you look at what happened during the pandemic, uh, fintech just grew because of a lot of demand from consumers and businesses for online payment services, right? So that was the main catalyst, which overvalued and made the whole fintech market a hotbed. Um, so you can imagine that because one company benefited, others in that peer group also benefited, irrespective of their own business performance. So investors looked at everyone to be filling into the same bucket. Now, with the cost of capital becoming more and more expensive, investors are a bit more cautious. So they are looking at individual businesses, figuring out, is it a fintech, which is net positive? Does it have net good, good cash flows? For example, is it profitable? You're also looking into specific business models. So if you're an online PSP where your you know income stream is ad valorem fees or transaction fees, yeah, that's that's kind of more stable, lower risk compared to, for example, lending, where where you have a bit more credit risk uh, open opening up, and, and and especially in the higher interest rate regime, a lot of these lending fintechs, their cost of capital increases, so that also pushes down their margins and therefore their sustainability. So yes, investors are evaluating now more frequently what is the business model of a particular fintech? Has this been cash flow positive? You know, is this the right, right risk appetite that I want to invest into now? So all of those are actually driving a kind of evaluation correction today. Would you say that over the past couple of years, a, a bubble has been built and is now bursting in the fintech space? Yeah, it kind of is the story, right? So, you know, COVID accelerated the building of a bubble. I mean, let, let's let's just say not all of them were in the same bubble. They were, of course, companies which are fundamentally great and sound and doing well. But yes, COVID accelerated creation of an artificial bubble around companies which are also underperforming, which is now, I think, clearing out very clearly. Is it also, yeah, I mean... I, I think I do agree. Uh, it's a, there's been such a, like you said, such a hotbed for new companies to start up, not just in fintech, but uh, also in other industries. But is it is it safe to say there's a logical cycle, it's cyclical that we're going through where you see like maybe, I, I mean, I hear similarities uh, when I uh, read articles on the internet um, about the uh, internet bubble. Um, and what happened back then, where there were a lot of companies starting up, everyone thought the internet was the future, which it obviously yeah. was, but the business models behind it weren't necessarily as stable uh, as people were uh, picturing them. Um, that bursted, then we went into a uh, the dot-com crisis, of course. Would you yeah. say it's of the same kind of magnitude, or would you say it's different? Yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting question, Rocky, and honestly, we are still grappling with an answer to that question. I mean, one thing to keep in mind is every industry goes through cyclical curves, 
But what's what's actually special and interesting about this timing is also the abnormally high inflation rates in, in mm-hmm. Western markets. I mean, the last time we had such high inflation rates was like 40 years back in the 1990s, right? And uh, therefore, in the last 40 years, fintech uh, companies were shielded from any kind of inflationary pressures. So companies in general did not have any prior experience to tackle what's happening today at this point. And that, that's what brings me to a point that today with inflation going up, interest rates going up, you know, in a kind of a pandemic situation, which was uncertain in the first place, spiking things up, there's war happening in Ukraine, there's war happening in different parts of uh, the, the Pacific, for example. I mean, these things do create a lot of uncertainty and, and we still don't know what the, what the future holds. But what we do know is uh, if you are a young fintech in need for funding, then you might have a bit of a challenge uh, getting that because of what's happening, because of the uncertainty around what's happening now. But if you are a very stable company with a stable business model, you know you have always drive, driven profitability. There will be some implications, of course, because inflation will bring down consumer demand. Uh, consumer spending will go down. It'll also have a very clear effect on your on your top line and bottom line, and and therefore you know the outlook is. To be honest, not very positive, but hopefully uh, maybe six months down the line, there's a silver lining in certain business models. Would you say to young fintech founders or the ones who are thinking now of maybe starting a fintech to say, maybe hold a bit uh, before uh, before doing that now is not the right time? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I wish I knew, but uh, you know what happened is uh, after the 2008 financial crisis, a lot of fintechs got generated out of that moment, right? So... If you look at history, there's always a point where you know you need to start, or you you could become a successful fintech when you are in a crisis. So that could be a starting point. Uh, not to discourage anyone, that uh, every um, you know every challenge brings in a level of opportunity, and therefore, if you are a new fresh fintech starting up now, if you have a good business model, it still makes sense to bootstrap and and stay resilient till you start getting funding. So I do believe that. Uh, this, this should not discourage young fintechs, but if you are a fintech and and if you are still looking for funding or if you have a, a high level of, level of leverage, then it might be a bit more challenging than others. Yeah, is there certain areas where you say, okay, this is where we right now see kind of the biggest slowdown? Uh, the one that I always think of, uh, which seems to have been probably one of the biggest bubbles, in my opinion, is the is the BMPL. Yeah, uh, kind of area. Uh, do you agree with that, or where? Uh, well, let's start with that. Where do you do you agree with the fact that BNPL is probably one of the biggest bubbles out of fintech? Yeah, I mean BNPL business model. I mean, it, it, the the whole business model kind of depends upon how cheaply you can obtain um, lending. And, and then how cheaply you can offer that to consumers and businesses, right? Now, with, with, with rising inflations and with rising interest rates, I must agree that the whole business model is being put under question and under pressure. And if you look at BNPL providers, even the best of the breed pioneer ones like Klarna and Affirm, they have been struggling, right? So there are uh, there's a lot of credit um, um, losses in general. There's a lot of... Um, question mark over the viability and sustainability of those models. I think uh, to Klarna's point, they even had alarming credit losses, uh, which grew at 84% in 2021 compared to last last year. So yes, I think in such a turbulent environment where interest rates are likely to even go up and up and up, 
in order to mitigate inflation. I think uh, if you're not a very big PNPL player, you might just struggle to sustain your business. So from that perspective, I would agree that if there's a bubble which is which has been created, there's likely to be a consolidation in that space in the coming period. Does it also raise a question of how fintechs are valued? Let's take Klarna as an example. For uh, Last year, they were at 45, I'm just looking at uh, TechCrunch yep. now, 45.6 billion, and now 85% of that uh, value has, uh, has disappeared, and they're now 6.7 yeah. billion. I mean, does it raise the question of, okay, how do we actually value these fintechs? No, it does. So, as I said, you know, Klarna being in the BNPL solutions mold, so their their business model is fundamentally uh, very, very highly indexed on interest rates. So, uh, and the fact that Klarna actually had some turbulent times last couple of years, mainly because they have been extremely aggressive in their geo expansion footprint. So, if you look at their OPEX, that actually grew by approximately seventy five percent year on year compared to their revenues, which has been growing at approximately 45%, right? So there's a lot of um, after-tax net loss uh, for, for, for Klarna, for example. Um, and then if you look at uh, someone else who is not doing BNPL, like, for example, Stripe, then their valuation also took a hit this yeah. year. But fundamentally, uh, because Stripe is in, a, is in a business which is a bit more it's a resilient to interest rates or inflation, the implications on the valuation are much, much lower. So therefore, the business model does have an implication and investors will therefore consider the type of business models they would have to evaluate before putting their money in. Yeah, because they still delayed their IPO, right, Stripe? Yeah, I think part of the reason has got to do with the fact that the whole timing of the fintech shakeout yeah. is not in the right spirit for them to go for an IPO, number one. But if you look at Stripe's performance, even this year, they had a stellar financial performance. Like they grew at, I think they were growing at 60% transaction volume processing year on year. You know, they were expanding very, very strongly across multiple markets, very strong growth from LATAM, very strong growth from APAC. These are also the markets where e-commerce is growing at much higher rates compared to Western markets. Um, Stripe has been expanding into new products and services, moving outside of just payments, acquiring to, you know, issuing and KYC and marketplace solutions. So, yeah, I mean, our bottom line is the more resilient your business model, uh, which I think Stripe is clearly a good pioneer in that in that bracket, um, the more resilient is your business to these kind of shocks. Uh, other than, you know, if, if you're also very diversified as a fintech, if you have multiple service arms, multiple client segments, you're also very diversified uh, to absorb the shocks of such a of such a such a macro environment. Yeah, I mean, Klarna, Stripe, uh, let's say take Klarna and Stripe as examples. Um, they're exemplary for, I think, um, delaying IPOs, right? I think they've set in some sort of trends also towards uh, other fintechs who are planning to do an IPO. Is there any fintech who still took the plunge and, and did go for an IPO or is there literally everyone who had plans delayed it because of the market situation? I don't think we came across any. I mean, All right. uh. not to my mind, not the big ones at least. Um, everyone kind of postponed it. There's also a lot of M&A happening I and mean, that didn't stop. I mean, global payments and the Evo deal that happened recently, that's a case in point. It's a big deal. Uh, it didn't stop irrespective of the macronomic situation, right? So, Again, it's not to say that everyone will stop their IPO activity in general, but I think the macronomic uncertainty just creates uh, a, a level of caution in, in general. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Talk about that uh, specific example uh, 
in a bit, uh, maybe back to the initial question, kind of which areas do you see the biggest slowdown? Is there other areas within the fintech industry where you see a bigger slowdown uh, than others compared to BNPL? I think the the slowdown will be observed across the board, mm. uh, to be honest, because um, if you are, you know, a, a PSP earning transaction fees, it is still a function of how much consumer is going to spend and how and your margins are dependent upon your expenses. So both has got implications when inflations are high or interest rates are high. So you would still suffer. Uh, PNPL or any business lending fintech even, I think those will be massively challenged um, simply because they are highly indexed on you know, increasing interest rates. I also think if you're an acquirer or a PSP over-indexed in verticals like crypto and others, um, you might have a bit of a turbulent period because I think what's happening around the last six months is we also saw a bit of a meltdown into the crypto environments. And, and that is actually um, challenging the whole crypto ecosystem in general. I think, um, yeah, I mean, no particular segment, which I think will be spared, to be honest, Rakesh. It's just going to be uh, something that you will observe across industries. Yeah, but is it too, uh, is it stupid to say that, like, you, well, probably to your earlier point, payment specific companies, payment processors, they probably are more stable than others, right? Because of the fact that, I mean, people will keep paying. It's not as if when we do enter into an official crisis, let's say, people will stop paying for stuff. They'll stop buying stuff. Um, they'll probably stable payments companies, things like of, uh, well, Stripe, IGN, Nets. Uh, mm -hmm. All those guys, global payments, etc. They will, of course, take a hit because spending will go down. Uh, but still, um, they will not be hit as severely as the likes of yeah, exactly. maybe BNPL. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's spot on. So th that's what I think that if you are in a if your if your business model is not indexed on any of the macronomic risk factors, uh, yeah, you will. Of course, everyone takes a hit, but then some will take a hit more than others. Yeah. And if you're in the traditional, you know, e-commerce or even point of sale acquiring business, then you're kind of safeguarded to an extent. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of InCheck with Fintech. If you enjoyed this episode, hit the like button and leave us a comment below. We'll be having more industry leaders soon, so don't forget to subscribe as well in order to keep updated with the latest episodes of our podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'd like to leave you with a more serious message from our partner Freer Girl, who are dedicated to founding child prostitution and impunity all over the world. Hi, I'm Evelyn, CEO and founder of Free Girl. Every day, two million children, especially girls, are being held captive worldwide. They are locked up and exploited in brothels, dance bars, or online, forced into sexual exploitation. Their freedom is taken away, together with their youth, family, and future. We are dedicated to fight sexual exploitation of children by rescuing these girls. Please join us, unlock their freedom and unlock your potential by becoming a business partner. Please visit freegirl.com for more information. Thank you.